I dig it. Yeah, let's do it. How about? I don't know. One, two, three. Eyes on me. <laughs> Ears are listening. <laughs> eyes are seeing. <laughs> Keep it in. Keep it in. Welcome to the Sprocket Podcast, where we're simplifying the good life. I'm Guthrie Straw. And I'm Joan Pettit, broadcasting from our homes in Portland, Oregon, nestled in the heart of Cascadia. This is the show that where we bring you somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of thinking locally with global perspective and enjoying the best that life has to offer along the way. Covering bicycling, trains and transit, adventures and life hacks. And today, Ryan Hashigan of Icicle Tricycles on Library Book Bikes, uh, Boat Month, perhaps, and uh, anything else we decide to ask him about. <laughs> That's right. We'll see where the wind carries us or our pedals or something in between. Uh, Ryan will be joining us slightly later in the show to catch up, and we're going to pester him with good questions that will stimulate your brain. But before we do that, let's catch up. How have you been this week, Joan? Oh, I'm I'm pretty good. What a what a interesting few weeks <laughs> it's been here in yeah. Portland. I suppose we still have like tiny little lingering remnants of snow bits around. Uh, and bunches of the city are still without power. And you know, there's the whole pandemic thing. It just How are keeps you, getting better. Um, I'm well, keeps all things considered. Better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I'm well. Um, I have been kind of like looking for uh, living accommodations. I'm looking to move back in a little bit closer to Portland. And I have been also on the job hunt to sort of transition out of what I'm doing currently. Um so yeah, it's been that kind of a week for me, uh, but it's also been a week that is full of bicycling because I like to bike and wear my mask when I bike. Hashtag wear your mask. Uh, oh, I saw a surprised face from Joan. We could talk about this. Yeah, we and and um, Armando is here recording and I feel like he might want to chime in. So you wear your mask on your bike all With the time? The, Oh, yeah. Um, with the exception of it, like, wetting out and then, like, I literally can't breathe through my mask, I have been a bike-while-wearing-mask person. Um, I think there's a couple of times, like, if I'm out in more rural areas, um, I will, you know, pull my mask down sort of on my chin. I'm a, I'm a chin bike mask wearer. Um, but around Portland, I usually just leave it on because, like, I'm interacting with people or I'm at like a stoplight or stop sign where there's other people standing. Hey, Ryan. And hey, Ryan is here. Hello. Hello. How are you? Good. Good. Just still working late at the shop trying to yeah. figure out how to get a forklift to run. I mean, I know you've been on the show before, but do you want to just, could you take a moment and just introduce yourself a little bit? And I, um, I know uh, I've, seen you on the internet and such but um i will say that and i uh was aware of your business but only put all of that together a few weeks ago when bike portland did a nice piece on all your all your book bikes that you've been doing but so can you just introduce yourself to our our many listeners 
Great. Yeah. Thanks for having me here. Um, my name is Ryan Hashkin. Um, I run high school tricycles. I help also help run Better Block PDX, a local nonprofit devoted to reimagining streetscapes and public right of way in the city with collaborating with PSU students and community groups. Um, yeah, and I like to adventure on the weekends. Uh, I'm trying to paddle all the reasonable rivers of, of the Pacific Northwest uh, right now. So. Well, that does lead right into boat month. <laughs> if I preempted you, that's so oh, funny no, that you mentioned means. that. That is so funny because actually I didn't know that you were a paddler and I, I don't really think of myself as a paddler anymore. But I, but that was a big part of of my life once. So, are you are you are you a kayaker? Are you flat water? What do you when you say reasonable? What is what's reasonable? Uh, <laughs> I have a little armada of Craigslist boats and uh, have a aluminum canoe and a kayak and a rowboat that I built in high school. Um, just a few different uh, contraptions to to get downstream and. Uh, yeah, it's definitely going to be boating season soon. Uh, COVID has put mm -hmm. in a bit of a damper on hitchhiking and boating. It was one of my favorite things to do is to every spring paddle from Portland Astoria and then try to hitchhike back with a kayak. Um, and you'd be surprised. You can actually get a ride quicker, it seems, with a kayak than without. Um, uh, but COVID has put a bit of a damper on that. So I have to tell yeah. you my favorite um, paddling hitchhiking story. And uh, there's a friend of mine from college and from after college uh, named Mark Chilton uh, in North Carolina. And Mark is this really sort of outgoing guy. And he would always, he's a paddler too. And, and he, when he hitchhikes, he also waves, mm -hmm. right? So there were a couple times when I saw him out hitchhiking. And of course, I mean, it, he was my friend. So of course I stopped and picked him up, but he'd be out there like he'd have his thumb up and then he'd be waving. <laughs> and so I remember having a conversation with him once where I was like, what's the wave about? And he's like, well, I just, I just want to show people that I'm friendly. And then he also said that sometimes when you wave at people, they think that they know you <laughs> so then they stop. So you're sort of fooling them into stopping because maybe they know you. So anyway, okay. if you, if you need to, maybe not during COVID times, but, but maybe give that a try for your hitchhiking. Oh no, that that's an integral part of the style is I will wave. I compulsively wave at every single vehicle. I mean, you're staring at the people like, and an ideal hitchhiking spot is one where you're going, where the vehicles are going slow enough that you can have that little moment. Um, you know, one of the things that will really get me, you know, going, you know, your spirits are going up and down as you're trying, as you're dealing with this, like hundreds of cars of rejection, just waiting for that one ride. Um, I always love it when you've got like a, uh, old grandma or someone that's like, Oh, sorry, but you know, gives a big wave and excited to, you know, sorry, I can't take you, but, and just try to ride that energy for a minute. So you already have the wave incorporated into your hitchhiking style. Oh, yeah. You can like, like go from thumb to wave and it's all like a circular motion. Oh, yeah. I've got that muscle memory yeah. dialed in. So. <laughs> There's like a whole culture of like, yeah, like how do you escalate in hitchhiking? It's something I've never really... Was an approachable, friendly, yeah. So, either way, uh, you know, here today I can talk all about hitchhiking and boats, but um, you know, business is what we're here. 
what you guys wanted to know about today. Yeah, that'll be that'll be the spin-off podcast, I guess. We'll do. <laughs> oh, it's good to it's good to check in. I think it's a like appropriate follow-up to the last time we had Ryan on the show, which I believe we talked all about boats. We're just, um, we're just catching up a little here. <laughs> Actually, Ryan, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this then as somebody who's a kayaker. Okay. So once in a while, so I kayaked for, for, for many years and I worked in outdoor recreation for this. Is, I, this is the old person way of putting it, but basically for most of my twenties. Uh, so for a long time. And so sometimes on I mean, it's rainy a lot, but sometimes on the rainiest days here, when I have on like all of my rain stuff, I get on my bike and I feel like I should have a PFD on. I feel like I'm missing something by being on my bike because I have because I think as my rain pants and my rain jacket feel like or actually probably feels like maybe when I was a raft guide. So it feels like splash pants and a and a spray top. And I feel like I should be wearing a PFD because I think maybe it feels like my bike is, you know, the kayak paddle or something like that. And I will also share that I used my old kayak pogies my as as bar mitts on my bike before I got proper, you know, and that sort of work too. So there, there have been some crossovers for me between yeah. But that feeling of needing a PFD on my bike is a very straight, like what's going to happen. I'm going to like ride into the Willamette and need to f- float my way hey, across. Or something. You know, <laughs> the way it is out there on the road, sometimes PFD is a nice way to add some extra padding between you and something that might hit you. Yeah. Right. Cause the helmet, I mean, you've, it's, yeah, it's Got a safety it device just for flotation, just for flotation, but. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. We're, we won't, uh, we're not the National Rafting Association. We'll, we'll, <laughs> I feel you. I feel like I, so I rode with my PFD on a little bit this summer. Uh, <laughs> and it has like a, it's, it's dark on the exterior, but it's like neon on the inside. And so when I was doing like some of the, like more nighttime riding, I just like flip it inside out and yeah. uh, just use the outside because it's like, hey, more visibility. Yeah, and you go wrong? a lot of the rivers that um, paddle in the Silets, the um, Nahalem, the Nestaka, um, you know, will carry a life jacket or wear a life jacket on the way back just for visibility. Um, you know, they've got reflective uh, striping built into it. And as you're pedaling 10 miles on what might be a rural highway or what turns into a logging road or whatnot, having, having a life jacket is definitely a good thing. Most All right. Death. Well, we'll catch up with Ryan for a dedicated boat month episode sometime in the future. Uh, always a pleasure to to see like what's going on in that. And I feel like we have we definitely have enough content to talk for an hour on that. Uh, but we wanted to talk to you about bicycles and books and how the two come together. Um, you know, for folks that haven't seen the article, tell us a little bit about what you've been up to these past little whiles. Cool. Yeah, my life has always been either boats or tricycles, it seems. So um, this is kind of a, a perfect, uh, you know, segue uh, for, you know, I run this business, Icicle Tricycles. We focus on building commercial business bikes for uh, small businesses, for large businesses, for folks doing marketing, um, for schools, for, uh, you know, organizations, nonprofits to 
utilize and, and have as a mobile pop-up retail kiosk wherever they're going. And, um, you know, we've been building book bikes for oh, the last, uh, at least last 12, 13 years or so. And um, have really just started kind of formalizing, you know, we've had the American uh, Library Association feature our trikes over the years. Um, we've just continually been refining the trike to better meet the needs of schools, libraries, nonprofit organizations. Um, we have a, a few science centers that we work with that use the trikes as pop-up science stations and experiment stations. Um, so I think the news that Bike Portland was able to share was that we have debuted um, you know, our new 2021 book bike model and it has some new features integrated into it that um, will both be easier for libraries to to utilize and, um, and hopefully work better for them. How did the first one come about? I mean, were you were already making cargo bikes or? Yeah, so I've been uh, building cargo bikes for years. I started pedaling commercial tricycles about 22 years ago. So I was in uh, what, sophomore in high school uh, when I first started um, bike messengering and then uh, driving a pedicab and um, then built a flower bike on the back of a pedicab that I called Pedals on Pedals and uh, would sell flowers and, um, you know, icicle tricycles came thereafter. I um, had a lot of time on my hand rowing back and forth from the boat and, you know, I had plenty of time to think of names. So uh, Pedals on Pedals and Icicle Tricycles and then ultimately um, we had a customer ask for us to build a book bike uh, for their rural community up in Northern Canada. And um, I was super excited at, at the opportunity. They wanted to convert one of our ice cream trikes. And um, the first place I'd ever pedaled an ice cream trike was up in Northern, Northern Canada, up in the Yukon. And uh, so it was, uh, yeah, really fun to come to that challenge and fully built it up for them, got it all customized and, and sent it up to them. And then it's just sort of grown from there. Then I guess more folks have been, I mean, I guess once you make one kind of thing, if people like it, then other people will find out and then get in touch with you, right? Is that kind of how, or how do people find out about you from other librarians, I guess, or from, from uh, the American Library Association or? Yeah, it's, it's really been word of mouth. So we've never really advertised, um, you know, the businesses we've just, I've always been focused on just making sure that we, uh, you know, build good trikes and set good expectations and deliver on that and really haven't ever tried to uh, grow the business exponentially or advertise. So it's been word of mouth and it's just been people that have reached out to us, seen our work, heard from others, um, other librarians about what, what we do. Um, we're also a bunch of nerds that work here. You know, I, um, I uh, love, uh, have, have built a whole, cabin for you know my books and, and national geographics and um you know two of our uh office managers are both uh children's book illustrators and and um you know i on the weekends you know the office turns into a bit of a zine producing uh library okay. as well so um uh yeah there's you can see the zine pile is in that corner of my office right here so Oh yeah, nice. And we were just speaking to uh, Sarah Merck about, uh, you know, making a zine 
zine tricycle. Ooh, I would love to see that. Is Sarah that a- for, oh, for those of you that are unaware, Sarah Merck is a local zine artist and a former, I think, editor of Bitch Magazine. Um, but she does a lot of personal projects these days. All the things, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Comics, she uh, she was in the New Yorker recently, yeah, did, I think. A graphic novel on Guantanamo that was incredible journalism and really tragic and revealing. So are you are you talking about making a zine about tricycles? Or are you talking about making a tricycle out of zines? Uh, <laughs> a little bit of both. Um, no, so- <laughs> As a hobby, I'll I'll make zines. Uh, that's my zine pile of event, you know, writing zines about boats. Um, and then what we're talking with Sarah and others about is making a zine library trike. Um, so I'm really trying to figure out ways to uh, bring the business back to a kind of our activist roots. For the last few years, my activism has really been focused on Better Block and doing projects like Third Avenue and Better NATO and the Broadway, uh, you know, the the Broadway bike lanes and the protected bike lanes on Burnside and bus lanes on MLK. And that's really been uh, kind of the focus of activism. And um, now COVID's really kind of forced me to really focus on running the business. And I want to bring the kind of activist joy back to it that's originated it in the first place. I mean, the reason that I was so attracted to tricycles um, is just how they transform the street and, and the way that people interact with you. Um, to, you know, you can be riding your bike and have people honking or frustrated about how you're using the lane or whatever, and you get on a tricycle and the reaction is just like, oh my God, look at, look at how cute that is. And, um, you know, it's, it's just so out of the ordinary and it's a way to use capitalism to kind of sub- subvert and and change the public space in a way that's a little more acceptable um and if you i mean if you look at capitalism or you look at you know our economies they're based off of exchange and interaction so it's a way that i've always looked at tricycles as a as a cool way to make an incremental step towards having our streetscapes and our public spaces be more humane and less dominated uh, by you know, robotic automatons, uh, and, you know, mechanical vehicles, but being able to have a more, um, you know, interactive and engaging perspective on the streets, whether that's pedicabs or ice cream tricycles or whatever. Okay. So you're, cause I keep saying bikes and you keep saying tricycles, like, are you pretty much riding? Like, are, do you, is your right? Well, your regular bike. I don't know. I presume you have 8,000 bikes or whatever, or but trikes, uh, things with wheels that don't have engines. I don't know. Uh, are they? Do you generally prefer a tricycle for everyday riding, or mostly for like the carrying weight and cargo things? No, no. I mean, um, I, I don't have eight thousand bikes. I've got one <laughs> bike, a Schwinn Stingray that I've had since high school, um, and it it's, it keeps running for the most part. Um, tricycles are a tool. It's, um, a way to, to run a business on your own or to run a collaborative business. You know, we, up until COVID, uh, we would deliver the Portland Mercury, uh, every, every week, or then every other week, 10,000 copies of the Mercury. So if you ever picked up a copy of the Merc anywhere from Northwest industrial down to PSU or all the way up to goose hollow, uh, that was a paper that one of our tricycles delivered that we were 
you know, pedaling throughout the streets. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm talking about tricycles. That's what our business is, is, is building commercial business trikes. Um, whether that's for a small business, uh, you know, a mom in Winnipeg that's going to be selling popsicles at the farmer's market, or whether that's a national brand um, that needs a trike for the Super Bowl, um, uh, or whether that's a library, or like today, uh, I was helping a First Nation in, in Oklahoma uh, build a book bike for, for their school library and for them to be able to reach out to the community around them and bring books out into the community. Well, I was going to ask, you know, from a design perspective and the amount of time that you've been doing this, um, I'm really curious what like percentage of your design is iterative, what percentage of your design is just totally like uh, custom fab, you know, just like there's an idea, there's a vision and like we're going to make a trike to meet this. Like, where do those factors, when you're running a business of the scale, where does it meet in the middle? Well, I'm always trying to balance the practicality with the functionality, with the aesthetics, and trying to find an option that's going to be the most affordable for a customer that's just starting up, um, and but also meeting their needs on a very, on a long-term maintenance and and you know, serviceability. So, you know, like the first trike I ever used had all these proprietary parts on it. Oh, it had an inch and, you know, this special inch and a half chain. It, it, if I needed parts, I had to wait two weeks to get a part for it. And um, so we've designed our trikes using standardized componentry uh, so that they can be serviced at any bike shop. You know, we've got a two to three business day turnaround time on parts. But if someone has a broken chain, God forbid, you know, I want them to be able to go into their small town or big town bike shop and get it fixed and get back on the road and selling ice cream or tamales or, you know, selling kombucha or bone broth or cold brew coffee or whatever they may be, you know, vending from a trike or sampling or, you know, or in the case of book bikes, you know, having an experience with the patrons and doing story time. Uh, that's, I mean, that's really I mean, that's great because it would be, I suppose, easy for you to make things that like only you could repair and then you had to sell them something expensive and, you know, then you'd be selling kits and yeah, I don't know. That probably wouldn't be good for business. Well, anyway, but so that's good to, to, I mean, people wouldn't want to keep recommending you if anytime something broke, they couldn't get it repaired. Um, So that's a really hope not yeah 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 but also i just really is there a tamale trike somewhere in the world is that a thing that specifically exists like did somebody real or a bone broth trike <laughs> is there a bone broth please tell me there's a bone broth trike. Yeah, we've made, like, <laughs> bone broth trikes we've made soup tricycles we've made sushi tricycles um but just a shout out to the tamale trikes of the world uh, we have by no means a monopoly on, on tamale trikes. That is, there's a long-standing tradition. I saw a fellow with an old Mercurio tricycle in Northeast Portland yesterday, uh, pedaling around selling tamales on a trike. And um, yeah, I, I've taken great inspiration from tricyclists around the world. Uh, I one time took a bus trip from Portland down to the south of Chile and went to all the different Sunday parkways along the way in oh, Mexico City and, um, you know, and Peru and, and Colombia and all throughout the way and met with all the different ice cream tricyclists I could meet 
uh, throughout. And so it's pretty fun, you know, like strolling up to an ice cream tricyclist or a BC taxista and in Ecuador or wherever. And, you know, sh yeah, showing them my business card and saying, oh, I've got the same job as you as in, as, uh, you know, in Gringolandia as you do here. And they would all get stoked on, oh, look at this gringo. He's got the same job as me. And um, it, was a fun, it was a fun time. We've been talking about different bike tours we want to do. And now suddenly I want to go find all the people who are selling ice cream by tricycle. That sounds like a great <laughs> way to organize a trip. <laughs> Having a purpose to the trip is great. You know, like seeking out the Sunday parkways and the ice cream tricyclist was a great theme. Um, did it another year, went and coached roller derby in each of the towns along in, throughout South America. So uh yeah it was fun to meet all the ice cream tricyclists and what i'm saying is there's tamale trikes there's there's business tricyclists this is not a new thing people have been selling ice cream by trike in the states uh all over the place up until about world war ii um and then the the history kind of died down as as we got a bunch of jeeps surplus jeeps came back and ice cream tricycles kind of disappeared but when I first started pedaling ice cream trucks, you would have folks in that older generation, kind of pre-World War II, their eyes would just light up. Um, Pre-COVID, one of my biggest local ice cream customers was retirement homes in Gresham and East Portland, where we'd go in there and deliver treats to the residents and the staff. And uh, I'll never forget, there was a fella in memory care one time, and they're saying, oh, you don't need to go in there. I said, oh, let's see how this goes. And he starts chatting it up to me, telling me about how he used to drive a good humor trike back in the, you know, late 30s uh, in upstate New York. And uh, people, you know, were saying, oh, is he bothering you? I'm going, no, this, what he's telling is the God honest truth. Like he is remembering this from being 16 years old and pedaling this tricycle around. And they're saying, oh, well, he can't even, you know, remember you know, more recent events, of course, but this, this is like golden memory from being 16 and driving an ice cream trike in, in New York was, was pretty amazing. Um, he was, we were comparing notes and having a great time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those, uh, they stick in, in the, in the mind in a certain way. Yeah. The formative times. Um, in terms of your, in terms of your library bicycles, uh, take us from like inception first library bike you ever made to present like what what were the pain points like top three pain points of the first bike that you made with you know either building or on a client side um and where is the state of the union now what do they what do they kind of look like circa 2021 hmm. um yeah we've really been trying to figure out how to satisfy customer needs be able to have kind of um cabinetry that allows both for display for access for safety for both children and for adults and you know a varying range of heights um uh and then also trying to allow for technology having um dis, you know additional display space for books and and um and reading material uh both kind of for storage but then also for presentation and then we also have integrated our um our wrap services. Essentially, um, we found it's easier for libraries to have that all inclusive. And so um, our graphic designer or, you know, with their, the library's graphic designer is able to provide us um, in our template all of the, their graphics, and then we can print them exactly uh, to spec. And then 
you know, the things I'm really proud about as a business and is, you know, we, we, we build every single trike and we ship every single trike out fully built. And so we're not sending people uh, pieces. We're sending them kind of a turnkey operation. It arrives on a pallet and they unpackage the pallet. We take the right hand pedal off so it doesn't stick out in transport, but they unpackage it, put the pedal on and they're good to go. Um, we also will send photos of every trike completed before it gets shipped just to kind of have that additional step of communication um, to make sure customers know what they're getting and, and just make sure everyone's happy. I like the idea that they have to do like that one thing, right? Like put the pedal on, like it probably, you know, it's like a, you know, way of like, now it's set, you know, maybe it's even more fun than, than it coming fully like ready to ride, right? Like they do this one thing and it's like, now it's ready to go. Cause it's not that hard, but you know, you gotta do it to make it work. It's so. uh it's a clever way to create like buy-in and emotional investment for a very low threshold of entry. Great. Well, we, we include instructions. I mean, the majority of our customers are not cyclists. You know, we're, we're selling trikes to small businesses, to libraries, to bookstores, to nonprofits, to people that are wanting to get their message, their product, their story out there to the world and using the trike as a way to do that. How nice. many, about how many uh, book trikes have you made in the past, oh. would you say 12 years? Yeah, I'd say, oh, I don't know, started small and then it, it builds up. I mean, we've made, oh, three, probably were four or five of them so far this year. Um, so we're, we're getting busy. Um, four or five this year already? That's a lot. I mean, that's, people are really buying these things. <laughs> I mean, that's great. That's great. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to over-exaggerate. This year is going to be a little different too. I mean, last year you have to think there was a giant bike boom for a lot of businesses, but um, you know, we, our customers are restaurants and hotels and libraries and, you know, public facing organizations. So I think a lot of those um, spent last year not sure what was the most responsible thing to do. And now it seems like the most responsible thing to do is outdoor engagement. And so, you know, it's going to be the challenge for us to uh, ramp back up and, you know, have great crew and keep our level of service and, you know, just be able to keep, keep building trikes at the quality that we believe in. I'm curious, um, you know, for the trikes that I'm seeing, I'm looking at the photo of your green trike that's featured in the bikeportland.org article. Yeah. And the seat post and like seat post assembly looks somewhat familiar to an urban arrow uh, as that comes out the back. And I'm curious, like, where do you pull inspiration from? Like both, I guess, on like the compartment standpoint, like I'm looking at the container and one of my hobbies for COVID has been just like biking about and tidying all the little free library boxes that seem uh -huh. to be askew. And I'm seeing like different design elements and incorporations of some of those ideas. And then there's yeah. like the urban arrow vibe on the back. Like where do you, where do you get your inspiration from for these? Yeah, you might have to ask Urban Arrow about that question. I mean, we we started with this uh, design in 2007 and uh, has been Ooh, some shots fired. <laughs> I'm not sure. But, uh, you know, I would say the inspiration is coming both from 
the Latin American commercial business tricycles, the especially the Colombian style uh, around Bogota and Medellin, there's a, a cluster of center pivot tricycle uh, manufacturers that have some really innovative designs. And then as well, um, you know, a lot of the experience comes from seeing pedicabs over the years, um, looking at you know, Spokane was one of the first places to manufacture commercial tricycles in the United States back during the 1984 World's Fair in Spokane, I think it was. Um, so that's a lot of inspiration. Um, looking at the Canadian side, uh, Dickie D's uh, is a, was the biggest ice cream distributor across Canada in the, you know, was the 70s, late 70s or so, and they were all by tricycle. Um, if you know Trans Coal Distribution here in Portland, um, the company that does all the good humors, briars, they're, they're the ones that are stocking up a lot of the ice cream coolers. They started out as a Dickie D's franchise selling ice cream by tricycles. Um, and then I'd say also, you know, a little bit of the Northern European and um, especially the older cargo messengers. Uh, but, you know, ice cream tricycles have been uh, designed, as I was saying, from the 20s and 30s. And um, that's where a lot of the inspiration came from when I was you know, younger, I would try to think, how can I make a living with a tricycle? And I look back to businesses in the 20s and 30s and that kind of pre-oil age uh, economy. And so that's where the idea for like flower trikes came from, was just seeing, oh, flower tricycles were a thing in Seattle in the 1920s. And oh, UPS started as a tricycle business in Pioneer Square in Seattle. You know, they were uh, delivering by tricycles uh, initially, very similar to the style we use. The main thing that I would say that we've innovated with is making all of our panels and, and our componentry uh, so it's not an integrated unit. So the, you know, while the frame is integrated unit, um, the panels and everything can be broken down so that I can wrap them easily. I can re have removable insulation. It can be an easier unit for cleaning and servicing and hopefully have a longer life. I mean, we have trikes that we've been using of this model for 12 years that we're, that are still on the floor today um, that are still getting pedaled. So in addition though, to making these trikes, are you also, you're also like when you said, so are you actually running a business where you'll like bring an ice cream trike out to some place and like, or, or are you just, yes. are you just making them or are you actually, uh, you know, selling ice cream? Yeah. Great, too? great questions. Um, uh, yeah. All of these businesses started out from just pedaling in the street um, and whether it was selling ice cream or doing flowers or, pedicabbing and then each of the businesses turned to more of a kind of contractual basis where it was like oh distributing newspapers oh going to retirement homes and church groups and schools for ice cream delivery for the pedicabs it turned into doing over a hundred weddings a year here in Portland uh peddling people's you know honeymoon cruises um yeah, so that's where all the business has been. And then at the same time, running a manufacturing business that continues to grow. So, you know, there was quite a few years there where, you know, the weekends didn't exist and it was just peddling weddings while the loud and lit ride went the other direction. And, um, you know, <laughs> uh, so it's at some point, um, just for a work-life boundary, um, we have kind of, we've stopped doing ice cream deliveries. We've contracted that to some of our local um, businesses that we built trikes for. 
Um, and we still just have maybe like one or two legacy customers that we just can't say no to. Um, but like the community cycling center, we built and gave them a tricycle so they could uh, continue the tradition that we've had for the last, I think, eight years of delivering ice cream every Friday to uh, their their bike camps at Irving Park and exchanging ice cream in, ex in exchange for a, or exchanging a popsicle in, ex in exchange for them answering a quiz about bicycle parts or whatever. Nice. Um, what do you think, you know, we talked a bit about catching up to 2021. What does the next year hold for you, Ryan? And what are you excited for that, you know, can be excited about on the horizon? Um, no, loaded question. <laughs> I'm just trying to just trying to make sure that I can keep building trikes and, and to the standard and that we always have. We're bringing in a bunch of new models. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, we I just met with our design team and, and we're producing a new hot dog trike for a customer doing vegan hot dogs um, in an undisclosed location. Um, so we're, we're coming up with new designs and new ideas. And I'm trying to bring our business back to the activist roots of having fun and trying to create, you know, ways to experiment with ideas. So one of the things that I'd love uh, your audience's help on or your help on is uh, I'm trying to find organizations that to partner with to uh, have tricycles that could be then loaned out to uh, other small businesses, startups, um, mutual aid efforts. Um, I uh, ran the idea past my crew and they said, no, there's no way that we could handle coordinating that. But um, I think collaborating with someone um, that could possibly um, provide trike lending library services is something that I'm excited for. I love the, I was just thinking, I, I, right, because there might be people who would have something to do for like two days one summer, right? Yeah. So they're not gonna, they're not gonna ha be able to like have a have a business enough to. But if they had access to something that they used only if you or somebody who, you know, sells tamales like once a month or something, I don't know, or or whatever, right? Like if they had access, or I was actually just as you were talking, I was like, I wonder if I could get my kids to sell ice cream on a tricycle right like I actually started to think like could I make this happen not that they I I don't know like I think it's just because I want to sell ice cream on a tricycle right but I've got a job fortunately yeah. uh yeah but I mean I like that idea right of like and um it's interesting that you mentioned mutual aid and tricycles because we had Dan Kaufman on in um no, a few months ago, and he was talking about, and he has his tricycle, and he was actually yeah. talking about mutual aid, and I mean, not specifically around, well, around bicycling, but, you know, I mean, it, yeah, there's stuff that you can do there and carry some more things. That is an interesting idea. I'll think about that, and if our, if our listeners have any ideas of organizations, yeah, they should get in touch with us. Yeah, we had an individual that just uh, reached out that is has a granola business and wanted to be able to sell at a farmer's market or something. And I, I don't know the full extent of it, but it just got the wheels turning of like, how do we make that an opportunity that is available for that one day, two day um, pop up experience or just being able to try to bring their business to the next step, whatever that may be. Um, uh, so 
trying to figure out yeah, like you know, a tool a, like a tool library or a pop-up yeah pop-up yeah that's that's great yeah right but who would coordinate that right like who's the business right. that actually I, I think you stumbled on it joan let the tool library coordinate it yeah maybe you did yeah there I mean, it is ta-da it, it, <laughs> and it's not electric so it doesn't have to be a corded a corded device yeah we we are building e-bikes now too as well so oh nice nice yeah, but um for anybody that's looking to plug in with what you're into and about, you know, if anybody was sparked to an idea of collaboration potential by listening to this episode, where can folks find you, Ryan? Um, so as far as business goes, icestrikes.com is uh, the main way that we, um, you know, is, is the main business, Icicle Tricycles. Um, I was going to give you guys a brief little shop tour of uh, oh, the shop yeah. space here. Yes. And tell I us tell it. us everything you're showing yeah. us uh, be- for our uh, auditory medium. This is for the, for the okay. people who are. Ooh. Oh, look at this. There's, this is huge. Shop down the stairs. Yeah. I'll, I'll kind of walk you down. What uh, part of what part of town are you in? We've got three locations, two in Old Town and one essentially side. So our headquarters is here in Old Town. Um and we've been in Old Town since we started for th- in Portland for the last 12 years. So um, Guthrie knows that location well, I believe. Um, so here's some of the trikes. Uh, this is a T-tricycle here that we're helping for a Reiki customer. Um, she's a, a lovely person. Um, here's a, a Cedar. Oh, there's my bike. That's Schwinn Stingray that's still running. Um, Here's a cedar trike that we've built recently with a um, tap tower configuration on it. So it's got for doing cold brew coffee and everything and a folding shelf. Um, I, and so- I just want to tell listeners that you are in a space that's like, well, like maybe the size of like a basketball uh, like I mean it's a really big space that you're in right now. And this is just one of three spaces you said that you have. Yeah, this is this is our main headquarters, and so this is our clean shop. This is where we have, oh, our carpentry and our print and our mechanical assembly and quality control and shipping and offices. Um, and then uh, we have powder coating, sandblasting up up north, and um, additional warehouse here in Old Town. And yeah, so that's. Um, this is where we work. That's a big, that's a, it's interesting because it's like you said you wanted to figure out how you could get a a job with tricycles and now it's like you have this huge business. Like you, it was like too much. Like you had to scale down. (laughs) Like you did it too much. (laughs) Problem to have. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Good problem Uh, to have. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us, Ryan. Uh, As always, appreciate you you taking a bit of time out of your very hectic schedule to chat with folks uh, on the Sprocket podcast. It's a pleasure every time. Cool. Well, thank you guys for having me. Thanks so much. Cheers. Yeah, Yeah. you as well. Well, Guthrie, I don't know if you're going to edit this out, but I have to say that uh, having a pandemic... uh, hobby of going around and cleaning up the little free libraries is like incredibly charming and adorable like that's fantastic i don't know how you came up with that but that's a good one that's um, a good... i don't know i'm just a steward by 
Uh, that's just who I am. Uh, I don't know how yeah. else to put it. Uh, I, I get like such a just like pure joy from tidying up library boxes because A, you know that I'm looking at them. I'm riding around and I'm like, boom, there's a free library box. And B, well, I'm already here, so I might as well make it look presentable because then maybe somebody else will look at this. Uh, so it's just like a win-win-win activity in my book. Well, do, do you, you, do you are ever you... drop off books in there? Oh, yeah. And are you, do you, are you like seeking them out or is it just that when you happen to ride by them, then you stop? They are a uh, secondary function to playing bike tag. Whenever I'm playing bike tag, I stop at the library boxes that I see. All yeah, right. I've got a really good one I'm working through. This is my this is my best one, and I, I'm going to return it. So if this is your book, it's a big book, so it's taken me a while to get through it. I found... Uh, whoop, ugh, that would suck to drop on my foot. Cases and Materials on Federal Indian Law, 5th edition, <laughs> uh, by the American Casebook series, is what I've been currently working my way through on my free no, library you're, finds. You're, you're reading that legal tome is that yeah. what you're suggesting yeah <laughs> i i don't know i just like, like i i, I want well, to understand great. more that's about great. these things and i think that part of understanding it is understanding its context uh so this book seemed like a really nice way to get context i mean that's great that's great that's just i would like read the article about it i think <laughs> Oh, part that, of my goal. For, I think you have a much deeper understanding than I would do. <laughs> well, you know, I might summarize incorrectly. I think it's hard to say. Um, what I have found is that when I engage with source material, that has been the most rewarding for me. And so in this respect, it, as far as this is considered source, I wouldn't actually like it's partial source material. It's like historical source material in a sense. Um I like engaging with source material because then I can make my own judgments and opinions and perspectives. Uh, so to the extent that you trust um, like your source of information to distill it correctly, I think there's like a great time savings and a really good like, uh, there's great value to that. I do both. Um, but I also really love digging into stuff like this and being like, hmm, what does Guthrie think? Well, you know, here it is. <laughs> so yeah, I think both is a good approach. And I get a lot of I get a lot of charm out of finding stuff like this in little free library boxes. Yeah, that's that is. the And the thing is, is that you'll uh, yeah, somebody could could probably maybe there this short story or film short or film exists like about how a book like that ends up in a little free library. <laughs> oh, there was a whole anthology. It's up on uh, it's just off of uh, MLK. It's like two blocks north of Killingsworth uh, just to the west of MLK there's there's like there they, I think it I think it's an ex-lawyer basically or something like that um, but there was a fantastic collection of books very similar to this do you think anybody except you has taken those <laughs> uh, I feel like you I'm too just... biased to be able to answer this question <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure I'm sure other people have other Oh yeah, I'm 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 sure. You can't see me, but I'm winking at the camera uh, <laughs> in Zoom. <laughs> I'm sure the other people are reading those. <laughs> well, I hope they are. And, but maybe they'll say and, that. And speaking of reading, we should mention our nationally recognized top beer bar and Oregon beverage sponsor. I don't know. I thought I thought something was going to come together in that transition. Oh, you're doing for it. Just keep rolling. Didn't. You got this, Joan. All right. All right. All right. 
So the beer mongers, you may have heard of them if you have ever <laughs> listened to us before. They're on Southeast 12th and Division, and um, they've been open a lot. And uh, they've got a patty outside. They're doing sandwiches now. Um, they are our longtime sponsor, and we really appreciate them. So I am drinking tonight. I uh, am drinking one of my favorite beers, actually. It's a Boneyard beer, their RPM IPA. And I, I saw, I got a six pack of this, I think recently, and I forgot how much I like this particular beer. What are you all, what are you drinking, Guthrie? Are you drinking anything? Boda Zaffa. It's the Boda Zaffa IPA by Georgetown Brewing Company. Thank you, Georgetown. And thanks to the beer mongers where I get beer every time I'm not brewing or grabbing a keg. Uh, they're a real darn good spot. I got the uh, one that had a pink uh, flamingo on the label last time. It was just like jumped out of the case at me and uh, it was very enjoyable. I had that last week. Can't remember the name of it, but I had a good label and you know me with labels. If it's good, I'll drink it. All right. Well, that sounds good. That sounds good. Um, and as always, thanks to our generous Patreon donors uh, that keep us going as well. We appreciate Indeed. you all very much and our listeners. I appreciate you. And now for our What can compare with the thrill of a brand new bike? I like my bike, it's fast. I like my bike, it's fast. I like my bike, it's fast. It circles around the city lights. Bay Area rolls to call. Bay Area begins to roll out e-bike. Where did, where did I get call from? I'm just going to go with Bay Area begins to roll out e-bike incentives under Clean Cars for All. This is an article from Streets Blog featured um, and says California Clean Cars for All is a California program that offers incentives to low-income people to surrender their older vehicles by helping them buy clean electric vehicles. Transit passes were added as a mobility option as well. So were e-bikes and bike share memberships. The e-bike grants are for $7,500 and can be put towards one or more e-bikes plus necessary bike accessories with any remainder used for transit passes in the Bay Area's pilot program. Participants have to qualify by both income at or below 400% of current poverty level and residents. They must live within a zip code that has been defined as a disadvantaged community. Um, and that is our news about $7,500 rebates for, yeah, I'd call it, is it called in Oregon, it's cash for clunkers, but here it's like cars for e-bikes. Oh, yeah, I guess. So in this one, I think linking it to the e-bike incentives, I mean, maybe it's not new, but it's kind of an interesting thing. And I, Brock shared this with us and I think it's, I think this is great. Um, I would just really like to see more e-bike grants for everybody. Um, because as I was reading this, it was like, there were so many layers and layers and layers. And, you know, maybe that there are a lot of people who meet, uh, meet these parameters, but, you know, maybe somebody who has a car that, I mean, this was for cars that or at least I think 15 years old. What if somebody who has a car that's 12 years old? I mean, I guess they can just wait a few years. I think this is a great program, but I, I guess I wish there were some of these grants for e-bikes, even for more people. Yeah. How about, well, that, how about e-bikes gets, for all? 
e-bikes for all i could get behind that it you know and we've talked about this on the show before um you know just the incentives the hidden cost of driving i think would be the way to sum that up in terms of how um driving is already subsidized to a very high degree so asking for 7500 bucks for an e-bike while it may seem audacious on the surface uh, if you look at the part and parcel of what makes up vehicle incentives and how easy it is to drive a car because of them, uh, 7500 bucks is pennies on the dollar to get people to turn in a car to use a bike. So, yeah, uh, I'm right there with you, Joan. I'd support more of this myself. I was thinking uh, if I, I mean, I'm not eligible this for a variety of reasons, and especially because I don't live there. <laughs> but I was thinking... Um, I think I would do something like this, but I, it's like, there's a few times, sometimes that I do need a car. Like, I think I would need something like a zip car or some sort of car sharing program for, for those Mm -hmm. things. But I feel like it wouldn't take much to get me to do, or to nudge me to do something, something like this. Uh, Yeah. So, and, and that gets into the whole, like death of micro mobility it feels is micromobility are we post micro mobility it feels like that was a grand experiment of like 2010 to 2015 uh you know at least in terms wow i'm i'm probably going to get like off into another hour long segment on this one but you know like zipcar car to go all of the rideshare companies that sort of just came on the scene and then just totally have disappeared in the last 2 years um Although they have been somewhat is that, substituted is that, with scooters. Did these things sort of start dying down a little bit as like Lyft and Uber and those things got more popular? I don't know. I feel like there used to be a lot more car sharing even pre-pandemic. Yeah. Uh, anecdotally, I now. think you're on about that. I don't have the numbers to back up that assessment, but my magic eight ball says probably, or at least it's related. Maybe somebody knows. And they'll leave us a voicemail or send us an, an email. So it's funny because yeah. you said micro mobility, which I thought you meant scooters <laughs> when you said micro mobility. Oh, I, mean, I would, uh, which, I would count which, scooters under a broad envelope yeah. of micro mobility. Well, it's interesting uh, because our next headline um, is actually something I saw linked uh, just from Bike Portland. And um, the headline is uh, Culver City Council approves 1.3 miles of bus and bike lanes. Um, and this was a link to urbanize Los Angeles. Uh, and it's, uh, the, the article is the mobility lanes, which will be available for use by cyclists, scooter riders, emergency vehicles, and buses will repurpose existing right of way along Washington and Culver boulevards, linking downtown Culver city with Culver city station in the arts district. Uh, so bike Portland asked an interesting question which was if we should start referring to bike lanes as mobility lanes. And if you think about it, I mean, we certainly saw as, as uh, the e-scooters sort of made their way into Portland, we saw a lot of those folks in the, in the bike lanes. Um, And so I, I don't know about emergency vehicles, although if it's a very big, broad protected area i could see emergency vehicles being in those spaces in a little different way than they would be uh anyway it's just interesting the way that they're doing this they're having these mobility lanes for buses emergency vehicles scooters cyclists maybe skateboarders too so should we be thinking about not just bike lanes but you know mobility lanes i think that's a smart move on like (laughs) multiple fronts 
like a couple of thoughts that come to mind is like I've definitely seen people using assistive devices in the bike lane. Uh, I used to commute between a stretch that had several uh, sort of care homes or retirement uh, locations, and I would see folks using the wheelchair uh, pretty regularly. It's smart in the sense that like if we're being real, more than one type of user uses the bike lanes at present. And I would give the maybe sort of corollary to our bike pathways that were put into Portland back in the mid 1990s. Uh, I think Clinton was the first one to go in the bicycle boulevard, quote unquote. Um, but those later became neighborhood greenways. And part of the change in designation was to recognize the different uses and speeds and types of uh, interaction that people were having in those spaces. So to the degree that bike is a pretty loaded term, all things considered, uh, I could dig the mobility designation. Um, that's a wider umbrella and it's always nice to cast more comfort from the rain over as many people as we can. Yeah, you know, and I, I'm, I've seen uh, folks in wheelchairs in bike lanes, and I feel like I see that in a lot in neighborhoods where there uh, aren't as many curb cuts. So yep. it becomes easier for folks to be in the bike lanes because if they're on the sidewalk, you know, then they're having to find driveways to navigate in and out of. So it's, oh yeah, I mean, so the fact that they're, which is like, anti-mobility, not having curb cuts. Right. Uh, mm. so I don't know. I don't love the word mobility, but yeah, it might need some marketing approach to it. Yeah. It's not, it's not, it's not the word that goes like, yes, in your brain. Like there's a neutral connotation with mobility. I think, uh, if you well, sprocket listener have a suggestion for names, Email the Sprocket Podcast at gmail.com. Call or text 503-847-9774. Um, and I will stop saying words. What, what were you going to say, Joan? I was going to suggest that people leave us a voicemail. <laughs> Ooh, where can they leave us With a voicemail? With some ideas. <laughs> they, can, uh, they can call 503-847-9774. Mobility? Shucks. Uh, all right, like... I'm going to invite Armando in as well. Um, quick rapid fire succession. I'll go first. What's a, what's a rebrand of the word mobility? Access. I'm going to go with access lanes. How about Joan? No cars, no car lane. No, I, yeah, I don't know. I feel mm, bike. I, mm, yeah, I'm not good at coming up with this stuff on the fly. Oh, Sorry it's okay. It's more of like gut I failed the lightning round. No, no, I don't we're like all mobility. Winners. I know we're what I don't winners like. At the lightning round. I know what I don't like. <laughs> Wait, Armando, you've had 10 minutes to think about this now. <laughs> I like mobility. I like mobility. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, cool. Well, the, to, yes. the debate rages on. If you've got an opinion, we like to hear it. <laughs> you know how to contact us. You know, we got some really nice mail this week. We did. That I would like to read. We got mail. <laughs> hey, we got mail. All right. Well, we had a very nice email from Todd Grossback, who said, I really enjoyed hearing about Guthrie's adventure last summer. The pictures are beautiful. Any tool info is always welcome. I did go ahead and buy 
the patches he recommended. So thanks, Todd, for getting in touch with us. I have not listened to that episode yet, but I am looking forward to it. I also want to say that um, Brock edited that uh, <laughs> over a week without power in his house. <laughs> it was quite heroic of him. <laughs> Thank you, was, Brock. I mean, not having not having power for a week with two little kids and, and still managing to do an edit is well thanks as always to our listeners for hanging on with us for this period of the show what is that you ask well it's the period of the show where we read the credits and then we see you again next week (laughs) um and thank you so much for your listenership uh any last thoughts before we head to the cred i feel like we have a lot of things to talk about about combining food and bikes (laughs) I think I want some more ice cream and tamales now. I don't know. Future show topic, food plus bikes. There we go. They go great together. One precipitates the other. Mm -hmm. The Sprocket podcast is produced at home until we can all get our COVID vaccines. Our website is thesprocketpodcast.com. Email to thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com. Call or text 503-847-9774. Twitter and Instagram at Sprocket Podcast. Thanks to Ryan J. Lane for our theme music. Hurt Bird for our headline sounder. Marcus Norman for graphic design. And thanks to the generous support of our Patreon supporters and listeners. Shadowfoot, Rain Norman, Eric Iverson. Cameron Lean, Richard Wazenski, Tim Mooney. Glenn Kubish, Matt Kelly, Eric Weiss. Doug Cohen-Miller, Todd Parker, Chris Smith. Caleb Jenkinson, J.P. Keeley, Peanut Butter Jar Matt. Marco Lowe, Rich Otterstrom, Andrew in Colorado. Through the Welder, Anna, Andre Johnson. King of Division, Richard G. Guthrie Straw. What? Aaron Green, author of We Were Like Sons and founder of The Were Granary. Campsite, Mac Nurse David, Nathan Poulton. Rory in Michigan, Jeremy Kitchen, David Belay. Tim Coleman, Harry Hugel, EJ Finneran. Brad Hipwell, Thomas Gato, Keith Hutchinson. Ranger Tom, Joyce Wilson, Ryan Tam. Jason Oftenberg, Microcosm Publishing, David Moore. Todd Grosbeck, Chris Barron, Chris Barron, Chris Barron. Sean Baird, Simon Pace, Gregory Braithwaite. Nice bike vids this week, by the way. Brian Morrow, Dude Luna, Matthew Rooks. (laughs) Marshall, Paula Epunatake Cyclecraft. Philip M. Spartandale, No Relation. Mr. T, who never really left, Bike Initiative, Kiwana, Saraji. Adam D, go dig a hole, Beth Heyman. Greg Murphy, Myra Martinez, Oso. Isaac M, David Christensen, 503. Byron Patterson, Kirsten Graham, Aaron G, Rachel Moline. And welcome back to our newest and returning donor, Jimmy Diesel. And to all of our former donors who helped us get this far. 
Now wash your hands. And wear your mask.